0: I think one of the things that opened up my eyes the most from, from our, our first couple talks and, uh, we're, were how to position ourselves and differentiate ourselves, not from a product standpoint, but from an optic standpoint and from a strategy, strategic standpoint.
1: Welcome to the Outthink the Competition podcast, where we tell the stories helping companies do the semi-miraculous. I'm your host, Bob Sager. Welcome everyone. Today's story is about a company called ShedWool. Like many before him, the CEO Corey Warfield became an entrepreneur out of frustration. Since starting in the restaurant business at age 16, he had been involved in every aspect of the business. Perhaps more than any other industry, scheduling in the restaurant business can be a nightmare. And Corey had lived this repeatedly, from the Excel spreadsheet days to using actual software. Then came a seminal moment. The company he was working with was acquired and decided to eliminate the scheduling software that they deemed to be an unnecessary expense. The employees were so distraught over this decision They volunteered to pay for the expensive program out of their own pockets. The company said no. To try and alleviate the headaches, they experimented with multiple ways to try and manage all the moving parts of scheduling. People who wanted days off, shift changes, people who called off, people who complained they weren't getting enough hours, etc. It quickly became apparent that without an interface to work with, Everyone was going to be continually frustrated. This experience led Corey to an aha moment. There had to be a solution that would work to satisfy all parties involved. Being a thinker, Corey smartly reasoned that if scheduling was a pain for the hospitality industry, it was likely a pain for other industries as well. Thus, Shedwool was born. The goal to create a scheduling software that would make things work well for employees, management, and ownership. And create it they did. There's an old saying, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. Corey found out that simply isn't true. There's something to be said for ignorant enthusiasm. It will keep you going through those inevitable tough times of starting up a new business. Corey was like many first-time entrepreneurs. He didn't know what he didn't know. But he read a lot. He was astute enough to get involved in a business accelerator. Shedwool began to pick up some customers. For a while now, they've been keeping their heads above water. Barely. In his restaurant career, Corey was used to making six figures. What he's so far been earning as an entrepreneur doesn't even come close to that. But the dream of being an entrepreneur whose business makes a positive difference in the lives of many and has the potential to earn more than he ever could as an employee has a very strong pull that's why he stuck with it shed wool was doing okay but just okay wasn't what corey had in mind when he started the company there's another saying that goes even the strongest person with the sharpest axe will eventually get tired And their acts will get dull. Oftentimes, working harder isn't the answer. So when Corey heard I was starting a show called Outthink the Competition, he got in line to be featured on the show. He had seen and heard about how I apply my knowledge, experience, and imagination to developing solutions for organizations to help them level up. One thing Corey had going for him that some business owners don't he was humble enough to admit that he didn't know everything and needed help. So let's dive in and listen to when I first interviewed Corey about where they were to see if I could possibly help.
2: Well, hey, Corey, uh, you know, if you don't mind, take a minute and tell me just a little bit of backstory about shed wool and what was the impetus for the idea, and how did you guys get started?
0: Yeah, thanks, Bob, and thanks for having me. Uh, quickly, I spent 20 years working in the restaurant and hospitality industry, both as a worker and as a manager, and scheduling was a nightmare. And after nearly 20 years, I, I kind of figured some things that I wished existed in the market as far as software to help uh, schedule your, your staff online, and I started a company. And it took us about a year to get to market with our, our first version, and then we had that for about a year, kind of listening to our customers, growing that base as we were building our second version. And today we're we're a robust platform where companies can schedule and manage their employees
2: online. Did you see something that was missing in what was available out there already?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when we started three years ago, all the competitors were relatively simple and they were all quite expensive. And because of the pricing, a lot of the small and medium-sized businesses weren't using anything. So Uh, I I found that a lot of places were still using Excel or pen and paper, and it really not only affects the the ownership and and the profit and and loss, but literally the labor percentage means the bonuses don't go to the managers and it means that the staff don't make as much money. And so uh, we introduced a product that costs quite a bit less, but we've also added some features that that increase the time savings because we also found or or I found and my my team uh, discovered as well that a lot of the products that are intended to help you save time, take a lot of time to get started on. And so it's very counterintuitive. If it's hard to sell somebody on saving them hundreds of hours, it's going to take them a dozen hours. They don't have to get set up. So we just kind of figured that there were some ways to to successfully optimize what was out there, price being one of them, features being another. And what this has evolved into is uh, we can directly affect and, and tie the hiring and training and things of that nature that we had also hadn't seen any of our competitors do. So we've kind of uh, addressed this more of an ecosystem through the lens of shift workers that have lived that pain point
2: for decades, both with and without software. Right. So specifically, what are some of the things that, that your product does or functionality that it has that maybe some of your competitors don't have?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that we offer that most of them don't have currently is a media upload. So you can upload a little video to train your staff or to uh, update them on the day. Uh, You can also ascribe notes to the individual shifts. We've put together a drag-and-drop environment where you can copy and paste and drag shifts around that save quite a bit of time and have the visibility of your entire staff or filter it through on one screen. And we find a lot of our competitors, it's very difficult to kind of discern between different uh, departments or or things of that nature. And so the filtering component of our platform is really nice. but uh, our our mobile apps are free. A lot of our competitors charge the employees. We have the direct uh, in inroads to the to the temporary and and the hiring boards for those scheduling managers specific to shift work. So we're really trying to make it be a marketplace and a one shop stop shop and we haven't seen that in 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 our competitors' offerings uh,
2: at this point. So Corey, one of the things that I've found is that early on in launching a business, it's easy to have what I call ignorant enthusiasm, which you need, I think frankly, in the beginning. but you know then as time goes on, the reality that it's going to be a little harder than we thought sets in, and usually it feels like we're repeatedly bashing our head against the wall. And I call that the valley of despair. Talk a little bit about some of the things that you've gone through mentally and emotionally in building shed wool. Yeah, I mean this
0: this ends up taking taking a different direction uh because for, for me it's been you know, I I hear people often talk about and I subscribe to the kind of roller coaster mentality where you have these these crazy ups and downs and then you get thrown for a loop and you should enjoy it all. Uh, but but for me, I, I was having a conversation with a friend who's built a multi-million dollar company and raised a fair amount of money, and she, you know, none of us are young, but she's you know, significantly older than myself and, and much wiser, and and I, I said that, that entrepreneurship thus far for these nearly four years has really been heaven and hell, and she kind of, you know, it, it was taken back by that. I've never heard anybody describe it that way, uh, but you're right, it really has been heaven and hell, and you know, we kind of expounded upon that a bit, but I'm the guy where to kind of try to raise capital and and it's the only reason I was there and the only reason they accepted me, but I went through an accelerator program and uh, it was a four month program. And uh, I guess they had decided and the community had decided without really letting me know in any form or fashion that they just weren't going to invest in me. And and so they told me uh, one of my lead mentors who had had a big exit and and had been, you know, and, as far as I knew, really thinking about putting some money into the company. Um, and, and that's the whole reason they brought me out to this remote part of the country for four months was to raise money. And he told me I might want to start looking at getting a day job. And I was the only full-time employee at the time. I had a team, I had a product, We, you know, but we were still a free product back then. And when, you, when you're a free product, you can't raise money and you're not making money. So there was no money. And uh, he told me I should get a day job. And to me that, devastated me, me to such a degree that I heard him say he wasn't investing. I heard him say that he didn't think the company was going to make it. I, I basically heard him say that I should give up and I took it fairly uh, tough and and, and it, it upset me a lot to the degree that the program put me under a 24 hour suicide watch and, you know, it, it ascribed a, a, a therapist, a, a psychiatrist or psychologist rather uh, to me personally and You know, it really—I—I don't know that I would have actually taken my life, but—but I think that I was so distraught that—that externally, uh, that—that's what what I projected. Uh, And uh, you know, thankfully the company survived, and you know, has has now started thriving. But, uh, but, but—but it got to the point where they didn't provide me with anything that that I had felt they—they kind of told me to expect from the program, and so. I told them at one point that I wanted to give them their money back because they put a little money in the company and I I wanted to give them the money back and I wanted the four months of my life back and I didn't have, you know, their money and they didn't have my four months. So I I just need them off my cap table and I thought it was going to get nasty. Uh, But I think they realized how badly the situation was for me that they just relinquished my equity and gave it back and that equity is now worth a fair amount of money on paper. Uh, but you know, then so I came back to Chicago and through another program and it had its ups and downs as well, kind of, again, heaven and hell, but my, my, my relationship, I'm 10 years with the same woman. We've been married for four years and, um, you know, I kind of, we got married and then I started the company and it's been rough for her as well and rough for our relationship. And even after getting home from that program, there was a day where, uh, you know, my, my co-founder's wife was also really distraught. And, uh, you know, she was upset with him for putting in hundreds or thousands of hours into bowl without a paycheck, you know, of any, any sort. And, you know, my wife's the same way. I was, I was working 100-hour weeks and probably ignoring her and, um, you know, not making the paycheck. So, you know, when, once I put my life savings into the company and into covering the, the living expenses, it got pretty bad for a little bit. And, you know, so I think both our wives are really distraught. Hating us, hating the company, hating the journey—definitely hell for both of them. And I, I think I was hearing from him that he might be willing to, to throw in the towel. I think he was almost, almost over it. And without my technical co-founder, my CTO, my partner, the the company actually would have died. And that's the closest. I went to the beach with my wife, and I just, you know, we just cried together. And I said, I didn't know if I could live, you know, if the company didn't live, you know, then I might die with it. And not even a suicide thing. Like, it literally, you literally hear about people dying of heartbreak and. Um, you know, it was just really emotional and our marriage and some have suffering suffering. We kind of concluded there that it's one of the reasons I had grown this big LinkedIn network is to get that affirmation from others that I was capable and that I was kind of wanting to help because at home, she was kind of just treating me at that point. Like I was a piece of crap because she never saw me. I was always working. She wasn't seeing the fruits of those labors and, you know, things are now getting a little bit better and now there's some money coming in and, and, and she's not quite as worried, uh, you know, and, and she sees the big picture. I think finally she's, she's hearing the conversations and seeing, you know, seeing, so she doesn't come to the meetings per se, but she sees how happy I am coming out of some of them. Um. So now things are a little bit better and it's unfortunate that that things, you know, many people experience the same thing as in the entrepreneurial journey. It's, it's really hard to balance things. And sometimes you have to be so all in that nothing else really matters and, Thankfully, I think that, you know, we are best friends, and I, I think that, that everything will survive this kind of, uh, you know, this, this long four four year, and we're still in the thick of things. But, you know, to anybody listening and anyone that, that's been there before, I'm sure that, that they can relate to a degree, but anyone that hasn't, you know, not that necessarily, you know, suicide watch and, and, and potential, uh, you know, heartbreak is, is imminent, but there are definitely ups and downs that go with anybody's entrepreneurial journey, and mine's been no different.
2: Well, I think you can probably really relate to that term, the Valley of Despair. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, listen. You've got quite a story, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs can can relate, and even people who aren't entrepreneurs can probably relate to some of those feelings of frustration. And uh, so, I appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: was clear to me after our initial conversation that having a quality product wasn't ShedWool's problem. I also got the feeling that even though they were beginning to have some wins, there was still something missing. Privately, I counseled Corey that customers make a judgment of quality based on the price you're asking. This is especially true in a competitive marketplace. I told him that, with the rollout of the next version, which was imminent when we talked, they needed to dramatically increase the pricing to reflect the actual value. Often, a strategy based on trying to buy the market by selling at a low price backfires. It's my opinion that this was the case for ShedWool. It's much better to win the market through strategies that help you provide a higher perceived value for existing and potential customers. This is what we help Wool with. Now, let's rejoin Corey in discussing the strategies we help them with and how he feels about the future of the company now. Note, this segment takes place a couple of weeks later.
2: All right, Corey, so uh, let's talk a little bit here about, about some of the strategies that... Uh, that we worked on and I put together for you and your great team over there at Shed Wool and uh, uh just give me a little bit of feedback on on um, one what you thought of them and two what you're doing with them. Absolutely.
0: So, uh I think one of the things that opened up my eyes the most from from our our first couple talks and uh were were how to position ourselves and differentiate ourselves, not from a product standpoint, but from an optic standpoint and from a strategy, strategic standpoint. And so we talked about a couple of things, you know, we've been leveraging video for some time, but but using it kind of more as a way to tell a story and to reach the right people. And there's just certain things that I hadn't really thought of from, from almost a psychological standpoint. And Bob, honestly, we've, we've been working on some of the stuff that you, that you postulated and we're already seeing results. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in production with a video that the idea literally was verbatim came from you and uh, our, our team over at, at Google marketing. Um, they, they didn't use your exact words, but they quite, you know, they all, but literally said that it was freaking, freaking brilliant. So, um, I'm really excited, but yeah, I'd, I'd say it really has me on fire to, to position ourselves differently through an optical and strategic lens. And I am, I mean, we're already seeing results, so that's that's about all that needs to be said about that one.
2: Right. Yeah, that's uh well, you know, isn't it kind of amazing that, that sometimes and I've found this, Corey, is that sometimes um businesses aren't as far off as they might imagine. Um mm. but you know, if you're if you're one degree off over time, uh, that can have you way off course, right? Oh yeah. Imagine imagine if you're trying to send a rocket to the moon
0: with 1 degree right. off.
2: <laughs> exactly. I actually did some funky math on that one time and, and figured out that you'd miss the moon by like over 3,000 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and the moon's actually pretty darn close, so that you know, that tells you the order of magnitude. Right, exactly exactly so let's talk about uh, you know there was another strategy that uh, that we put together for you uh it's not a video but really this is more of a marketing and prospecting strategy have you found that sometimes prospecting is um that's kind of a rejection oriented activity wouldn't you wouldn't you agree
0: oh absolutely especially we we've, we've done a number of kind of you know boots on the ground uh you know, door-to-door campaign that literally popped into Prospects. And we do a lot on social media, and it's never well-received. <laughs> none, none of it, whether, whether it's online or
2: offline, it's been uh, pretty much of a nightmare. Right. One of the things that I've found is that oftentimes, if you can just tweak what you're doing a little bit and sort of add value to that client in some way up front, then it just makes you appear different. Uh, than everybody else that's in the marketplace. So do you mind just, uh, I could talk about this, but I think I'd rather have you talk about the, uh, one of the prospecting and and marketing strategies that we talked about. Absolutely. I I would imagine that you're talking about the the bourbon and business, am I correct? Correct.
0: (laughs) So it is, it is too cool. It's, uh, some of your listeners may know this, but for those that don't, I spent 20 years working in restaurants and hospitality before I started schedule about almost four years ago. And so I a certified sommelier, mixologist, worked in a lot of bars. I know way too much about beer, wine, and, and bourbon. <laughs> I love bourbon. I've got an extensive bourbon collection in my cellar now. And what we're talking about doing is bringing people together not only to kind of talk about the industry and obviously talk about Shedwool and the way that we save companies huge amounts of time and money and keep them compliant, but uh, in a cool venue with kind of a cool backdrop, being being the bourbon and just kind of opening it up to a conversation facilitated by we at Shedwool, we can get a lot of the right prospects in, having a great time, we'll do some door prizes. And one of the brilliant things about it, in my perspective is, as you mentioned, we, we add value right off the off the bat. Secondly, we're providing networking and fun, but it's also really filling our funnel because we'll have everybody's emails. We had to email them all about the event, and you know, we can do some kind of one-offs where if you didn't win the door prize, uh, we can reach out and have a Constellation prize, and we'll offer discounts, and it's really just a, a, a way that I hadn't thought anything about, getting the right people in the right room. And uh, I talk often about the K factor, which is the measure of virality, but if I can plant some seeds in there, help them build some relationships, they might go off and start talking about shedwell amongst themselves afterwards. So, it was a truly revolutionary way to think about prospecting.
2: Do you think it'll be uh, a little easier inviting people to come and have a bourbon than it would be to talk about uh, buying something from you? Oh, with, with zero question, <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey. You know, you you get together over a glass of wine or or a, or a glass of uh, fine bourbon, or even just a or even just a coke, right? And uh, and you're buying, right? It's just uh, it's a little bit more uh, that's a little bit more conversation worthy than uh, the the salesman that cold called you. Oh my gosh, yeah, and you know
0: even from from a KPI standpoint. Uh, it, it may or may not reduce our customer acquisition costs. We've been pretty fortunate so far to have a fairly low customer acquisition cost. However, I think that what it is going to do is it's going to get people talking about us. I think there's a chance that even though, you know, I, I like to do things pretty big, so I'll probably, you know, want, want to give away a bottle of happy or something crazy uh, from here neck of the woods, and you'll probably do something decent, some mixers or something as as the bourbon that I'm pouring. But whether or not it reduces our customer acquisition costs it's going to have people just really feeling great about Shedwell. And it's a a great way. I think we're going to be able to be so laser-focused as to who we invite there. And a lot of times when we're prospecting, we end up talking to the wrong person and spinning the tires or hearing a no, and it turns out it wasn't the person that could have said said yes anyway. This is going to be a great way to fill the room with decision-makers. And, you know, who who doesn't – they don't need to drink. They can, like you said, have a Coke. But who doesn't like to be in a room with people having fun talking about great ideas? And if one of them just so happens to be Shedwell – and it can keep them compliant and save them a bunch of time and money uh you know it, it may may or may not, as I say, reduce customer acquisition cost, but it's absolutely going to spike customer acquisition and at this At this point, we'd spend more money to get more customers so uh to to think that we can do it in, in a fun way that can pay dividends and it's going to get people talking that we can actually do some content on social around that's incredibly not salesy is hugely compelling.
2: Well, one of the things that I know for sure, Corey, is if you can associate the feeling that people have when they think about your company, if there's an emotionally fun component, if they feel good about your company, and forget your value proposition for a second because it goes deeper than that, right? And and when people have a good feeling that they get when they think about your company, uh, and when you touch that positive emotion, then uh, they're much more likely to be loyal customers. And uh, even if it doesn't reduce your customer acquisition cost, it'll amp up your customer acquisition fund. And uh, Mm. who doesn't want more (laughs) of that, right? Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about one more thing. uh, And that is the, uh, I think companies have to have they have to have a one-line benefit statement that identifies them and sort of spells out in very short and simple terms what the benefits are for the customer. So I know uh, I spent a considerable amount of time on that because as short as it is, it's important. And uh, what I came up with was shed wool turn scheduling nightmares into pleasant dreams. And so uh, give me a little feedback on on what you thought about that, what your Google marketing team thought about that, et cetera.
0: Yeah, we all love it. It really is. I mean, the, the shorter the better, right? You, you don't want to make people work too hard. And within a few seconds in one statement, that really does tell you pretty much everything that we're doing. And as we move towards being more of an ecosystem and less, less specifically a scheduling software, the reality is it still all ties into scheduling. And so to kind of plant that seed and, and, and really just the, the nightmare to pleasant dreams thing I think is really compelling. And so I did a, a video, a little teaser video that people can see on YouTube or, or on Shedwell social platforms. And it's kind of in the style of a whiteboard animation. Um, and at the, at the end the the last or the second to last exposed slide uh, has a lady in a yoga pose with a huge smile on her face. And it says, you know, that exact tagline that said, we'll turn scheduling nightmares into pleasant dreams. And I've already gotten, I, mean, I put this up two days ago, Bob, I've already had at least 10 people say they love that tagline. A couple of them are internal with my company or, or on our board, you know, within our within our circle. Uh, some of them are strangers I've ne- never spoken to before, don't know them from Adam. And they go, wow, I really like that. That really resonates with me. And I will say that you know whether some of it is, is perfect timing or if it's all just working with you. All of a sudden, uh, ever since our first call a few weeks ago, we've been we've been ramping up revenue. We've been ramping up growth on a lot of levels, and we're prepping to launch our version two any day now. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's completely perfect except for those last couple little tiny bugs. And it's like when you're in your house and you could just hear that fly buzzing around, and you can't see the darn thing anywhere. Uh, but but we're we're pretty confident we're just days away. And, that new version is what we've been really thinking is going to drive revenue, you know, and spike a lot of the metrics, so we're excited for that. But even ahead of that, to be able to see to be able to see the uptick on uh, and, and, and to be able to to really correlate it to a lot of what you and I have gone over and the strategies and the mindset that you've provided me with uh is just I mean, freaking cool, man. <laughs> you know, for for lack well, of a listen, better articulation.
2: I, yeah, and and I have to tell you that is so exciting for me you know you you and i have talked uh, you know off of uh, recording in that it's so important for me uh to do work that matters and and the results of that work to have you know a positive benefit in the world not just now but for years to come and and uh the older i get cory the more important that is to me and uh Listen, you know, as you know, we're planning to do uh, sort of a you know where are they now segment uh, down the road, and uh, you know I, I can I don't know if this is in the cards for you, but I can picture you guys are going to have such growth and be on on such a trajectory for revenue that um, you know if you wanted to you know if you don't want to uh, you know spend the next thirty years uh, being the CEO of ShedWool, you know, I think you could probably uh exit that and uh have a have a pretty hefty payday. What do you think?
0: Well, I, I think you're absolutely right and we're we're actually taking some small steps toward that end already. We we've got some, some potential acquirers that have kind of given us given us some, some pretty nitty gritty. Here's what they want to see, here's you know, here here are the metrics that they're tracking. But we are, we're, we're on the radar of the executive team and the acquisition team of two potential acquirers. And I think it's very possible. And my team's starting to feel it as well. They're they're starting to come up with exit strategies and they're throwing numbers out there and they're, you know, actually one, one of the, one of the companies that's, that's look, looking at us as a potential acquisition um, came to us through one of my salespeople that they, they had the idea and, and we talked about it in the meeting and they kind of took the ball and ran with it. So, you never know what the future holds, but I think you may be prophetic with that one, Bob.
2: Well, it'll be uh, interesting and fun to see how it plays out, and uh, and I know people love to uh, to catch up on um, on that where Are they now episode to see exactly what happened with Corey, and and of course you know they'll be able to track your progress anyway by going to shedwool.com and and seeing what's up there, and uh, um, I, I expect that the client list. Love logos of client lists at the bottom of your website will grow and grow and grow and, and get more impressive.
0: Yeah, well, we just put someone in our demo yesterday uh, that, that seems pretty excited about it. They're a national concept, and their their logo alone it would be a game changer for us, put it that way.
2: That is uh, that's fabulous. Well, listen, Corey, um, it's been really good working with you and and i i just uh i'm excited for your future i'm excited for shed wool's future and uh you, know, you and your wife are going to have to to uh, make sure you got your swimsuits up to date and and uh <laughs> you know if you if you do end up uh, getting acquired for a big chunk of money you guys uh it'll give you a lot of options uh that you don't have currently right
0: yeah and you know we're, we're, we're we're fortunate, so, so we, we were able to, to do some things and, and see some places already, but she's already got her whole wish list. She's, she's got our, our first year planned when I don't have to work 100 hours a week, that's for sure.
2: There you go, there you go. <laughs> well, you know what they say, happy wife, happy life.
1: That's it. I'm sure you can hear the excitement in Corey's voice. I believe with what we created for Shed Wool. Emotion-based, impactful benefit statement, which some might call a tagline, plus the marketing and prospecting strategies we armed them with, they will take their success to stratospheric heights. I'm excited for their future. This podcast is made possible because of the work I do in helping businesses achieve higher sales and larger margins. All of our clients get our help with strategies. their success to a much higher level. Some of them get chosen to be featured on this podcast. Can we help you? Reach out to me and let's talk.